good morning, everyone. Uh, we are in, I think, week four uh, of our marriage series, and we thought, what a better way to cap it off than to uh, see <clears throat> and hear from uh, some of our elders, but also some people who have years of um, experience being married. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, this is, is going to be an applicable Sunday. I hope, I hope that uh, what we can glean from this uh, glorifies God, but also is practical in how we can take it home. Let me just pray for our time real quick, and then we're going to jump right in. Um, so pray with me. God, we, we, we thank you for the power of testimony, and today I thank you that we get to hear um, of your grace, of your goodness, the way that you've moved and worked um, in three different distinct relationships here um, on the stage. God, bless our time. Bless our conversation, God. Would you be all up in it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, all right, so I'm going to just kick it off. I'm going to start with Don, Don and Joanne here. Uh, I just want you to introduce yourself, uh, how long you've been married, uh, maybe how long you've been at Beach's Chapel. Um, ready, set, go. There you go. There was not a tech training before this. Now we know. Um, I'm Joanne Colbreth. Um, Don and I have been married um, in September. It will be 27 years. And we've been coming here for about 25 of those years. can't add much more to that. Uh, but yeah, I think I came here a few years before I met Joanne, but uh, 27 in September is what it'll be. It's been a good 27. Um, I'm James and this is Jesse, and uh, we've been married for 15 years, and we've been at Beaches Chapel forever, yeah. <laughs> our whole lives birth here, practically, and it just kept going. Um, super thankful for 15 years and to learn from these guys who have more wisdom than we do. Oh, we get it? Hello, uh, Robert Hartzell. This is my wife, Cindy. She asked me to do the introduction, so I'm going to be obedient. We um, Lesson both number came. One. I know how this marriage thing works. We both uh, joined Beaches Chapel in 1986, uh, Cindy in the spring and me in the fall, and we met in Young Adults and got married in 1989, and we've been married 33 years. Awesome. All right, well, as we kick off some questions, uh, we've collected some questions from uh, the church over the last few weeks, um, and one that we got that uh, was a recurring theme was, was about friendship. So I want to jump down uh, to question number four. It says, how can you make a point of spending more time with your spouse to build and strengthen your friendship among each other? And I'll let anyone jump in and go ahead and answer that one if you got it. They are not friends. They're too right. shy. <laughs> I think, um, first of all, I think you, you have to have time away from everything and with your spouse. And that could be anything. Um, our relation's a little bit different because I'm retired. I'm at home all day, and Joanne works out of the house, so we see each other all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so sometimes she'll just take little breaks in between working. It might be something as simple as we'll just go sit on the porch. We'll just go sit outside. Um, but you can always find the time. And, uh, if you can't find it, then you're going to have to train yourself to make the time because it's very, very important. You can't grow in a relationship if you don't talk with each other. So I think
think that's an important thing. James and Jesse, if I could put you on the spot. You guys have young kids. You, uh, you do. You do. Uh, three young girls. How do you not become like passing ships in the night as parents, but also people who work? How do you, how do you, how do you figure out friendship among those dynamics? Um, something that we've started doing recently, probably just the last few months, really. Um, at the beginning of each month, we have, a, we have a calendar in our pantry, in our kitchen, and we get it out and we schedule somewhere during that month a date night. Um, that, or several, if we can, um, that is non-negotiable. In other words, like it's not, oh, well, let's just erase that because it didn't work out. But as there's other obligations and things that we, we have going on that month, whatever that might be, that night is, is just as important. Actually, it's really the most important of everything that we, we write on our calendar. And I think we, we tend to treat date nights and time with our spouses very flexible. You know, oh, well, we, we didn't get to it because these other things happened, which is backwards thinking. Um, it, should be, it should be the most important thing that we schedule for an entire month. So we do that. We, and it, there's a couple things. One, it, it allows us to plan around it, but it also allows us to be excited to look forward to something throughout the, the month. Oh, we have this, you know, so if you have a rough week or this going on, like we can point to this thing and say, hey, we, we have this coming up. But I love what Don said about it can be as simple as fill in the blank. I think, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to make a date or time this thing, you know, where we have to go to dinner at this place and, and you know, have an outfit on this or that. Listen, we, we live in an amazing place here. We have a beach, we have places you can walk or whatever. And time together is time together. It's not this thing that you have to do. It's, it's time. And so whatever that might be, um, I think it's fun to, to, to you know, rethink those things. So. Robert and Cindy, if we were to go to you guys now, you work together. So you run a ministry together. So come, maybe like Don and Joanne, you see each other a lot. But you also have kids who are out of the house. So how do you cultivate and maintain friendship and not just coworkers or not just people who minister together? How do you, how do you keep a friendship in marriage? Well, um, luckily we don't necessarily work at the same place. Um, he has an office, so we don't see each other totally 24 seven. Um, we have found just through the marriage that does work and God's been very faithful to uh, get him an office so he could do his counseling appointments and things like that. But yeah, we just kind of do the same thing. We make sure we do some date nights. We have space. Not having a kid around is kind of nice. Um, you know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about, you know, other we have a puppy now, though it's almost like that again, but, um, but no, we, we spend time together. Um, we are together a lot. We've learned over the years, especially like on trips and things, when you are 24-7 all the time, you're traveling, you're going through airports, you're going through a lot of stuff, um, TSA, enough said. Um, we need to, we give each other space, you know, uh, that, that sometimes we do need space for each other. Actually, what's, what I do kind of think is helpful that if each one of you also has some nights to like do some guy stuff and then do some, some girl stuff, um, you know, have a guy's night out or a girl's night out, I think it strengthens us when we come back together too. So it's not like we're always together together to where you get on each other's nerves or anything. 
but just in the sense of you still have like the women's meetings that happen here that we come I come to a lot of those he has some some guys he does some exercise classes with and stuff um, I think that's helpful too um, just real quick I would add um, we know the things that we both like and like Cindy surfs I don't really want to surf it hurts my back <laughs> You know, but we both love the beach, and we just got back, from, we live at the beach, and we just got back from a vacation to a different beach. And so we know these things that we like, and we do them together often. And just because you asked us specifically about um, <clears throat> kids and how we navigate that, and Cindy, you know, Darren was really fun. I'm going to tell him you said that. Um, but I think what you, as parents, when you have kids, what we have to understand is we can't make our marriages about our kids. If you make your kids the center of your marriage, one day they're gonna move out and you're gonna be staring at a stranger. The, the best thing that your kids can have is a healthy mom and dad relationship. Because you are, we as parents are being an example to them every single day. And I want our girls to see that so that the bar for them is there. So when they start <clears throat> dating and all those things, right, when they have their arranged marriage um, and we let them out of the basement, um, they're gonna be like, no, that's not, I don't recognize that, you know? I recognize this. And so they are, they are looking at us when we don't know it. They are looking at us when we do. And if we put, it's not selfish to put our spouse first. We're supposed to. And when we do that, it, it creates a family atmosphere that we crave for our kids. But a lot of times we do it backwards. We think we have to serve them before our spouse, and we neglect our spouse, and then it creates an unhealthy family environment. So just wanted to, to, to play off something Cindy said, just talking about togetherness, um, you made a comment about how Robert has things he enjoys. You have things you enjoy. And then it reminded me, when you're talking about kids, how do you... Are you serving your spouse by letting them, or, or maybe not letting them, but, but encouraging them to, to, hey, get out of the house, go do things. I've got this. I've got the house. I've got the girls. Maybe when you guys were, had kids in the house, how did you navigate, like, your co-parenting, but you also need to make time for your spouse to do things outside of the house, but that can kind of get hard sometimes. A lot of people have young kids in here. If so-and-so goes on a date, or, you know, you can get a babysitter, but if, if Jesse leaves the house, all of a sudden, oh no, James has to watch all the kids. How do you serve each other in that dynamic? Does that make sense? How are you, how are you creating space for your spouse to go out? Hey, go, go do something fun tonight. Go get out of the house, get away from the kids, get away from you know, our, our, our routine because we, just like Cindy was saying, you're better because of it. But how do you, how do you functionally do that, like realistically? The only way you can really do it is you skip over kids and you go straight to grandkids. <laughs> that way you can give them right back. That's, that's the best way. No, no you, you have to be very flexible. I mean, because we raised four kids together and they were all on different schedules. You know, you've got this child doing this one night and another child doing something else the same night. So you have to be very flexible, you know. Um, that's why it takes both parents, but it's like we sang in worship today. When you put your kids at the center of your marriage or anything else at the center 
center of your marriage other than Christ, you're going to have problems. You know, it's, a, it's as simple as that. We have to go back to what is the center of our marriage. You know, that's Christ. Everything else revolves around that. I was going to add on to that. Um, when we were, I've been on the worship team forever. Um, and so when we had, when we had our son, we only have one, one son. And when he was young, I think it was maybe six months or something. Obviously I took off and, you know, I was planning on indefinitely, you know, whenever I'd come back to play, I don't, wasn't sure. But actually it was Robert, I think he, I think he was around six months or so. Well, Robert came to me and says, you know, you, you think you want to start playing again on the worship team? And it's like, well, I don't know. And we were meeting every week, every Tuesday night, we had a rehearsal. So it was a commitment for, for not just me, for him. And he came to me saying, no, I, I think you ought to go back and start playing. Because then he started looking at it. That's a time for just me and my son. We can bond. It's a, time, it's a guy night. They started calling it, that's our guy night. And so he used that as an opportunity to not only allow me to come back and join the worship team again, but to actually see it as a positive, not like, oh, I'm stuck with the kid tonight, but in the sense of, no, this is an opportunity, you know, especially it being a boy. Um, I, I think it did a lot of things even today uh, as a result. Anything to add? Um, when, when Jesse and I were engaged, a good friend of mine, um, Dave Zarmat, he's a pastor in the area, said, never like when Jesse wants to go out with her girlfriends, never tell her no. Like always say yes. And I was like, okay, you know. And so, so I have. And anytime she's like, hey, I want to do it. Yep. I don't, she didn't even finish the sentence. Yes, go. You know, go. Because those nights are important, especially I think for moms, because moms need to be reminded that they are women and that they can dress up and look nice and go be apart from their kids. And and it is it is a time for. Um, you know, either parent to bond with their kids. And something else that I do or try to do as hard as I can, if when she comes home and asks how the night went, if the kids were like, they burned down half the house or where I did, you know, trying to take care of them, it's always, it went great. You know, <laughs> I'll never make her feel guilty about taking time away. And sometimes we, even when we're not trying to, if we actually tell them the truth about how it went while they were gone, they're going to remember that next time and not want to go out. And so I just lie you know, and, 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 and say, it's, I'm an amazing dad. You're welcome. And, and you could go out whenever you want. They survived. I survived. And all the crying is done. And, but just tell them yes, because we do need times with... You know, like we do have amazing things here for our, our men's ministry and our women's ministry that is so important. Uh, we need to be encouraged by other people, but yeah, amen. Husbands don't say no. Speaking of burning down the house, uh, let's talk about conflict, all right? So our prescribed question is, have you ever had a conflict that eventually led to deeper intimacy and or understanding? But maybe honing in on that word conflict, how do you address conflict to get to a better place of intimacy and restoration? This is a, this is a fun one. <laughs> we do not have a lot of conflict, but um, I don't believe there is a marriage out there without. There is always going to be a conflict. Um, I remember one uh, way early in our marriage, which, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the conflict was. Um, 
I, uh, and we had both come off of, of a divorce earlier in our lives. So I had my way of handling things, and it was really the wrong way. It was to just back off and stomp around, and the word fine was used a lot. And, um, but after considering all I had been through and all we had been through, um, it's, it's funny how people look to prayer and God last. You know, you hear that um, everything else, we've exhausted it. We might as well pray. Pray first. Because um, when we did that and we did it together, um, everything melted away. I mean, right then, everything melted away. And the conflict just was, the hurt just started melting away. And it's like, why did it take so long to do that? Um, so that would be um, my thing about any conflict. Just stop it in its tracks and go to prayer first. Because it's like you said earlier, God is in this. If you put him in the center of your marriage, then I think it's going to become natural in your marriage for prayer to come first if there's any kind of conflict. And you won't have to deal with all that other stuff. When you do that, you, you know you're on the right course because there's a peace that comes with that. Um, so that's the first thing. Just take it to the Lord. Everything else will fall in place. Um, I agree with praying together. That's good. Um, it's been um, almost a tool for us, too, because we're both non-confrontational. So for the longest time, probably like the first 15 years <laughs> we wouldn't say anything and so we, I mean we both just are best friends so I think um, that almost can be something that works against you too is remembering to be romantic to each other and putting it on the calendar and having that intimacy um, was something that we had to make a priority and when we did say and communicate hey this is how I'm feeling let's pray about it. Um, we shared this with some friends last night. Like when you hear each other pray for one another and you're letting those walls down, you can hear where they're coming from in a place of vulnerability. And it allows me to feel safe to share um, how I'm really feeling. And then we get somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think timing is a big thing too. Like if you have something you want to discuss with your spouse, and they're walking in the door after a long day. It's like, I got a bone to pick with you. You know, that's maybe not the best time. I think uh, one thing I learned with Jesse is she's a processor. And so if there's something that, um, you know, is happened or whatever that we need to talk about, like, I want to fix it right there in that moment and, and make it better for her. That's not what she wants. And so I've learned uh, over the, you know, the course of our marriage, like, I'm going to just let her have her time right now, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. And then she knows that I'm there and then let her almost bring it to me and say, hey, whenever, whenever you need to talk and just let her engage because I'm ready, but she's not. And so that's something you just, I think you just need to learn each other's personalities in that as well. And timing is a big deal because um, if you pick the wrong time, no matter your intention, it's not going to go over well because we're, you know. We have other factors that weigh into those things as well. We're bringing in the day and the week into those moments of conflict. And so we need to be ready to talk about it as well. So 
You don't want to let it fester and go too long, but you can't always just do it on your own timetable. You have to be respectful of the other person as well. Sure, I'll throw one more thing. Kind of a, a, what James was saying about the processing is kind of, you have to learn like, how do you process? I think that's one of the things, depending how long you've been married, you start learning like, how do I process things? And it's gonna be different than however the other spouse does. And I think that's real important to, like you say, to know how do you process it. Um, we try to not come when there's anger. It's like when you're right in the moment and you wanna just kind of throw it out, it's like, you probably need to wait a little bit. <laughs> And usually God tells me to take a long walk on the beach or something and kind of get past the anger to see, like, what's really, what's really hurting, what's really the problem. Because um, the anger wants to just hide it. And all that ends up being just it's like you're just hissing and spatting at each other and nothing really gets accomplished. So kind of like, you know, wait till the mad's gone. In fact, he's probably even told me that. He's a great counselor, by the way. Um, it's like, you know, get rid of the anger first, you know, because otherwise you're not seeing through it. You're just mad and you're upset. Uh, and maybe reasonably so. But get to the point where you can then talk about it sometimes does take time. Like you say, the timing. Sometimes it's not time to go in. I process it differently than he processes. And then you kind of learn over the years how do you process you know, and, and then give each other space to actually talk about the conflict and then just talk about it. Um, we've, we've had some very uncomfortable times where we're going to just sit on the floor and sit there until we can figure this out. And it's like everything in me wants to just get up and run. I'm more of a, you know, there's the fight, flight. I'm the flight usually. I just assume I don't want to deal with it. I just want to run away. But it's like to have that awkward silence sometimes of just sitting there until you can actually verbalize, hear each other's hearts, and just get through it. It's not always comfortable. It's not fun. But you get through it, and then that does lead to the deeper intimacy later on because you've gotten through it. Really, any conflict, I think, if you resolve the conflict, will lead to an intimacy, um, I believe. Um. Super quick story. When we moved home from the here back here from the Dominican Republic in 2002, it was a very trying time, a very scary time, a time where I didn't know like what the future held and so forth. So I'm like, we got to pray, like we got to figure this thing out, you know, and all this stuff. And she goes surfing, and I was furious. I mean, furious. She got back, and I'm like, like, we're, you know, in a battle here, and you're going surfing, like, you know. But as we kind of worked through it, I, I needed to get some ministry to kind of get through that, you know. But she processes. She gets out in nature and hears God, and she works it out, you know. And, and she processes, just like she was just saying, very different than me. And um, there's been numerous conflicts through the years where um, I've had to get some counseling myself, and, you know, sometimes you can know all the principles that make marriage work, and you can, you know, attack the fruit, you know, break it off, cast it out, and do all these things. But sometimes that doesn't work, and you're, and you're still, you know, struggling and taking everything as rejection or, or, or whatever. And um, those are times, to, for me, to get counseling. Um, it, it's, it's sad how many marriages end in divorce because they won't face the deeper issues and work them out. That's good. 
to play on what you said about the DR, uh, I want to go to question number uh, three. It says, how do you adapt to change season to season with your spouse, spouse, whether that's financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, geographically, in your case? How do you adapt with change, especially for those maybe who are married younger or have been married a really long time? People, people tend to change. How do, you, how do you adapt with that? Uh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, I think uh, this is actually a good question for us because um, Don and I have been through a lot of, of seasons and changes. Uh, most recently is my mother uh, moving in with us. She's 90, she's soon to be 97. Um, She has been with us for 13 years now, um, and she, it, you know, I, I think that could have been, he could have said no. He could have just said no, and I would have understood that, um, but we talked about it. I think the whole thing here is, is when you're going through changes like that is to really, communication is key. And just listening to, I don't want him to ever just say, fine, let's just do it. I want to know that it's really okay because that's a huge, um, that's a huge change um, to have someone come in and know you don't know how long or what kind of care she's going to need. And he is wonderful with her. And I was really, it's, it was unexpected. Um, we, we all three just get along. But Someone who used to go to church here pointed out something to me. Um, she said, do you realize that by the time your last child moved out, your mother moved in, and the two of you have never in 27 years lived alone? And I, the funny thing is, it never occurred to me. It, she made it sound like, that was a horrible thing, but Don and I have always found time for each other and made decisions together, and I think that's key through change. She left out the part before. <clears throat> I had just retired, and I was thinking, man, I've got the whole house to myself. <laughs> the kids are gone. I can do whatever. And then my mom, my mother, had to move in with us. And that lasted for a short time, and then your mom came. But as you grow older, I mean, everybody changes. If you don't change, something is wrong. Hopefully we change for the better. If we look at our experiences and you know by then what works and doesn't work kind of thing. So, but I think uh, you have to have a good sense of humor, <laughs> you know, w with life. And uh, you just have to be able to enjoy what God has given you. I mean, I can look back on so many different things in our life and just say, well, I wouldn't have gotten through that if it wasn't for, you know, the Lord looking over me, even when I didn't know he was doing it at that time. So, it's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for us, I mean, kids was a big change. Obviously, um, it is for sure, but that was, gosh, feels like forever ago. Um, the most recent was in the last three years, me becoming lead pastor here. And um, that was a huge, huge change for us. Um, 
you know, being in ministry, being on staff at a church is one thing. Being the lead pastor is a whole other ballgame. Um, it's just, you can't compare. Um, and we, at the time, you know, COVID had just hit. We had just had our youngest child. And um, there's just a lot of change all at once. And in this three years, it's been a journey for me of growth and really falling in love with it. But for Jesse, it's been very different. It's been coming to the understanding that she's not called to ministry, and that's not what she's supposed to do. And praise God that that she's learned that. And uh, that's why, you know, a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, when I when I talked about her, a lot of that was about her being freed up to to step away, uh, because we have a staff now that is doing the job that she was doing uh, in those first couple of years that she's been able to hand off, and it's been a release for her. But it was very challenging, and I'm not really sure if we can say how we navigated through it, except we just did. And, um, and she stuck by my side and put on a brave face when it was really hard, when truthfully, if, if we're being candid, she wanted to be anywhere else but here certain Sundays because it was just so much of a weight on her. And, um, but now I think that's changed a little bit and, and uh, because she's been able to let it go. And, but I, I think to her credit, she set aside her own self for three years and just said, I got your back. And there were Sundays when I would text her and say, don't come, like, just stay home. And she was like, no, <laughs> I'm going to be there for you. And, you know, that's amazing. And, and I can't wait now to be that for her and whatever she, you know, the Lord has for her. And we don't know the timetable on what that's going to look like. But I think it's important to understand in marriages that, you know, your calling is not always the other person's. And that's okay. And, and to support one another in whatever that is. I'm looking at Pete and Michelle in front of me and how, you know, not to single them out, but Pete was in the military, which means Michelle was as well. And, you know, so there's, there's always these things with, with our spouses that they are called to and we support them in it, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a two way street on that, but I'm not sure if I'm answering the question or just rambling now, but I think, I think the point is, is that we need, we need to understand where the other person is coming from, and it's not their calling, but how can we support them in it? How can we lift them up and be their biggest cheerleader in it? And, um, and that happens, honestly, not to be cliche again, but through prayer. I mean, it really does. It's just clinging to Jesus through the whole thing. Yeah, I just think we still don't know what that looks like, and... That's okay. I think that's been the biggest lesson is letting go of what the next season is going to look like and not trying to figure it out and have a plan. Mr. Planner over here um, for every detail is, is um, been a huge lesson just to trust in the Lord. And it goes against what the world says that you have to look like to be successful. And I think that's been the hardest thing is to go against the grain. But walking alongside the Lord, um, it's possible and it looks so good and fruitful and it's been a blessing, even just, you know, in the recent changes, um, I already, you know, just dealing with health issues and stress and stuff like that. Um, I don't know what, what the Lord holds next, but I already know that he's got it and it's going to be good. And he's covered it because we've been obedient and we just continue to make that choice 
um, to be with me one step of the way as he reveals the next step and the next step and the next step. That's good. In relation to change, um, Don, you said hopefully we're changing for the better. I, I would like to imagine, especially as we, as we kind of like get close to the end here, if this series could be a turning point for any marriage and it's changing for the better, what would you say to the couple who says, yeah, we try to pray together, but it's super awkward, just, you know, just to be real. We try, I'm trying to do these devotionals, or I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to stop listening to, you know, Metallica, and I'm going to listen to worship music instead. How do you encourage your spouse to go after the things of God and not hold it against them? Like, oh, that's cute, you're trying. Like a meaning, like, like, being, like being really serious. Like, if this could be a turning point for couples in here, what would you say to them in that regard? Does that make sense, that question? How are you encouraging your spouse to love Jesus? It's probably a simple way to ask that question. Okay, men. <clears throat> you cannot force yourself or your belief on your spouse. You cannot beat somebody up, you know, with the Bible, so to speak. You are where you, you are in your walk with your Lord, and your spouse is where they are. And if that's lagging behind wherever you are, then you have to be patient. You have to, you have to wait. I think sometimes we do. We get too impatient. It's like, and it's, it's not out of a bad thing. It, I think it's more out of a good thing, like, because you love this person. You care for them. You want them to have exactly what you have, but they're not there yet. It doesn't mean that they won't get there. And I, I think sometimes it's just you have to be patient. You have to back off a little bit. And you just have to stay in con continually praying about it. Um, it's just like w with divorce or something. There's life after divorce. You know, it's um, God has somebody for everybody. I'm a firm believer in that. And he's a God, definitely a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. I think we're all, we all know that. Just um, be patient and work with them. Because I know I've talked to some of y'all in here about that. And uh, I think you've, you've come to an understanding about it. Like, okay, I'm here. They're there. But it's working out for the better. And it will continue to work out as long as you keep him in the center. For me, it's just been um, and being an example your spouse I know James has been an example to me with just consistency and discipline of chasing after the Lord um, you just see it you just see it he's not pushing it down my throat and you just want it because you see the fruit in their life and how good it's been for them and um, the same goes for yourself like if you want to see the change really you just look inward for yourself because you cannot change the other person you ask yourself what is the Lord doing in my life what does he want from me and then it's just contagious. I think it just grows from there for both sides. Yeah, I would definitely second that, that, that to see it. It's everyone's on your own journey. I mean, you can't really, I don't want to say compare, because a lot of times what we do, we start judging. And it's like, well, you know, I wouldn't even say you're like levels. You're just in a different position in your journey. Everybody has their own journey of faith. And like you say, you can't shove your faith down them, I think you can be an example. You know, it's like, I have my relationship with God. He has his relationship with God. He showed me many, many years ago, uh, kind of almost like a triangle, that I can trust God 
that he's well able to speak to Robert if something needs to be spoken to. Right? We were just married. I don't know if he even remembers this very much. He was going to go, he does. He was going to go to a Bible school in Pensacola. And I was a teacher here at Beaches Chapel. And I was going nuts. Um, I am born and raised in this, uh, well, the church in Jacksonville. I'm a native of several generations. I won't go into all this. Anyway, we don't move around. I mean, my mom's lived in the same house, you know, she's lived in her whole life. Um, and so, like, moving or doing something was like, oh, my gosh. You know, that was the beginnings. God was warning me what was coming in the future. But it was like, I don't want to go. I mean, my natural response is, I don't want to go. You know, I've got a job here. Our friend's here. Our church is here. Blah, blah, blah. And so I was really praying, and I really fought the Lord of it. And then finally, it's like when I released it, and it's like, okay. I mean, I, I literally felt him laugh. He's like, oh, no, you're not going to go. It's like, what? I just been crying my eyes out for, you know, all these hours just, you know, in my little room. And, and he's like, no, I just wanted to know if you would. Because he says, because it came to a point where he showed me like this little triangle. I'm here, Robert's here, and then God's at the top. And he says, yeah, you have a relationship with Robert, but also I'm over both of you, and I'm well able to speak to you, and I'm well able to speak to him too. And God told me, you can trust me that if something needs to be spoken to him, you know, I'm not always the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'm not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> there is a Holy Ghost that can speak to him and minister to him. And we never did go, by the way. Um, we stayed here. And it, but it was a great test for me to be able to let go and realize I have to trust God. I can't force anything. You know, judging somebody, uh, you know, imploring or begging or anything. You know, none of that's ever going to work. I don't think that worked on any of us, really. You know, it's love. You know, we love each other where we're at. We're at, you know, whatever places that we are, this is where we're at. Um, you know, obviously we're always hoping to grow, each one of us individually, and then also growing together as a couple. So. Real quick, too. Um, in terms of, like, judging our spouses in our walks with the Lord, the, the moment we start having those thoughts and even speak it out of, they don't pray like I do. They don't read the Bible like I do. They don't come to church like I do. They're not part of a Bible study like I am or, and all those things. And we are casting that judgment on them. We are putting ourselves above them. And this walk of faith that we have that started out with loving Jesus has now become an idol in our life. And it's become something that props us up and makes us feel superior to our spouse. And that does no good at all not to just to them but to us in our walk that stunts our growth we're called to serve our spouses and to be an example and just like we talked earlier about our kids are watching us and how we interact our spouses are watching us and how we interact with jesus too and if we show judgment over them and how we are with the lord that's not going to attract them to jesus it's going to make them run the other way and so what we want to do is is be is reflect Jesus' love for them over and over. Always invite, but encourage, pray, but never judge. And never feel like you need to be where I'm at because look at me. It's never going to work. It's a recipe for disaster. And it's also going to separate, you know, it's going to slow your walk with the Lord down as well. So we have to be really careful with that as well. All right. Got anything else to add before we close and prayer today? Anything else that you guys want to mention? All this collective years of wisdom. Do you have anything to download? 
Um, I, I would say always seeing the uniqueness in each other. You know, um, I tried to communicate this uh, to my son and his wife. They got married almost two years ago. But from day one, you know, I've always seen something in Cindy that's unique that I definitely don't have. And 33 years later, I still see, you know, those unique things about her that attracted to me to uh, me to her in the first place and, and that I admire in her and and vice versa there's things in me as well that that she sees and and that's always kept like an, an honor and a love you know in our marriage you know through the fights and the difficulties and and, and so on and so forth uh, I would say um, you know, I think this has been a five-week series, I think, is what we spent on marriage, which is great. Hopefully, you know, uh, it's going to bear some fruit in marriages. I believe it will. Uh, but five weeks is not a cure-all. And Robert mentioned it earlier, uh, something we haven't said in this whole series. If you need counseling, get it, all right? Counseling for a long time in the church was taboo for whatever reason. Uh, it shouldn't be. You can find a great Christian counselor that you might need to meet with weekly, Make that investment, spend that time because it's worth it for your marriage. But don't assume that these five weeks that we've spent on this topic is enough. If you're sitting there and I think then you, if you're trying, you just keep hitting this wall, keep fighting, go, go, go see someone. We will come talk to us and we will point you to someone that we trust that you can talk to, but you need to invest that. It is not an embarrassing thing, a wrong thing, or anything like that you feel ashamed about to go speak with a Christian counselor over your marriage. It is the best thing that you can do. So um, just wanted to encourage that as well. For what it's worth, most of our staff goes to counseling. I don't know if that scares you or encourages you. I hope it encourages you, <laughs> me included. Um, but as we wrap up today, it's 1145. I don't want to uh, take too much longer, but I do want to create an atmosphere, a space for prayer. So, Cindy, would you mind just like maybe patting for a little bit, maybe playing something nice? It makes the mood feel good. Um, and I want to encourage you, if your spouse is here with you, to just take a moment this morning. Um, pray together. You can pray out loud. You can just hold each other's hands, and maybe you don't have words this morning, but you can pray. The altars are open down here. Um, this is your space. We want you to feel the freedom to pray both for each other, with each other, um, and put into practice the words, the wisdom that we've heard here this morning. If you are not married, you can pray for your future spouse. Uh, if your spouse is not here, you could also pray for them. Um, but as we go to the Lord, would you just bow your heads? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off this morning and just say, God, we know that with you at the center, that all things are possible. Reconciliation is possible. Healing is possible. A marriage, a relationship, a future spouse that bears fruit and health, that breaks generations of divorce, that breaks the bondage that affairs have had over generations and families is possible. Because Holy Spirit, you are at the center. God, you are at the center. Five, 10, 15 years, 20 years, that the lives of our children can be different 
decided to put Jesus at the center. That years of conflict and opposition can be avoided because the main thing, Jesus is the main thing, that's you. If you're in here today and, and you are wrestling with a divorce in your past, to a God who sees all of that. 